There are those steeped in Geelong history who declare Brad Ottens the equal of any recruit from any other AFL club in the past 20 years. That's a big call on a player whose numbers generally were modest, yet his contribution to three premierships in five seasons is compelling evidence. Welcome, Brad. Thanks, Mike. Thanks you, haven't for got, me, mate. you haven't got any shorter? No, no, not yet. I'm sure that'll come. Still 202 centimetres, which in my language is 6'7". About 6'7", yeah. 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 It's still about the playing weight, so I'm sort of... Yeah, no, you up. look good. I haven't seen you since uh, Grand Final Day 2011. Where have you been? Yeah, I've sort of disappeared there for a little while. It's um, still down in Geelong and it's probably not a bad part of the world just to, <laughs> to keep a low profile down there. Are you working, doing some work at the footy club? Yeah, still do a, a day or two a week with the cats and with the, with the ruck work, ruck coaching and um, a few games and yeah, still have a bit to do with the cats, which is good. And you're on the tools occasionally? Yeah, furniture maker I am by trade, so yeah. um, did a trade towards the end of my footy career and um, something that I became, that I really enjoyed, and so I sort of followed a bit of a passion with that. And so it's good, it's a good balance between footy and something mm. a little bit different outside of that, so it's been good. The three flags, 2007, 9, 11. Is there a favourite? Oh, it's a, I get asked that question a lot. It's a really tough one to answer, but I think I probably think pretty fondly of the last one, being that it was my last game and um, last game for a few of us in the team. And, um, yeah, it was, a pretty, it was a, such a special era, but, yeah, probably the last one if I had to choose. Did you know going into that game that that was it? No, I, I didn't know that was my last last time I would play. I, I, I felt like leading into the, the final series and th throughout the end of that year, I thought if we win the flag, I'll, I'll think pretty seriously about pulling pulling the pin. So um, I didn't know going into the game, but I, I sort of realised not long after that that was probably the time to a good time to wind it, wind it all up. I want to take you back to 2007. You'd come across from Richmond. Geelong was, I think it's not unfair to say, that was in a state of turmoil. There was the famous review about uh, Bombers' position. 2007, you go into the season, I think you're 2-3, going into round six, and you end up winning the flag. What was, was there a catalyst for that? Yeah, it was a pretty tough start to the year, and 06 had turned into a, the longer it went, the more of a nightmare it became, 06, um, to the point where at the end of the year we were, it was, a, it was a pretty toxic sort of environment in a lot of ways. You know, we'd, we'd struggled. There was the really public review of the whole footy department and a lot of us had been put on notice going to 07, so a lot was expected. And um, I remember being beaten in round five down at, down at home and um, there were some pretty honest conversations with, um, with the coaches and all the leaders and, um, you know, there were some pretty honest conversations and honest feedback for some guys who were maybe weren't really contributing to the level that was expected of them and we sort of sat and facing each other and it was a, you know it was a pretty it was a pretty strong moment within you know within my memory it was you know guys like Kenny Hinckley were pretty vocal about Ken was the assistant coach then yeah Kenny yeah. was and I remember him saying that he, he said you guys don't realize how close you are to and you don't realize the opportunity you've got to be successful and how how close it is for this group and how talented you are and and I always remember that because I, I remember thinking, geez, it's just going to be another year of, of turmoil and it's just going to go from bad to worse again. And sure enough, the following week we beat, you know, whatever it was, probably a culmination of a lot of different reasons, but we came out and beat, beat Richmond by 150-odd points yeah. and a record margin. And, and I think from then on we won 16 straight or something. And, um, you know, and that was when the, 
the, the wheels really started to turn and we were just back on track. So whether not sure what exactly it was, but I'm pretty sure that had a, had a lot to do with it. I tipped Richmond that week. Yeah, yeah. Was... <laughs> Missed by 25 Good goals. <laughs> <laughs> when you have those councils of war and you sit there and clearly it's a cleansing process and people are honest, how detailed does it get? Oh, I don't remember it being too brutal. I don't remember blokes, you know ripping shreds off each other. I think it's probably a collective sort of line in the sand. I mean, that was my memory of that sort of time was we just, for some reason, something clicked where we, we'd done a lot of work in the off season with leading teams and um, Harles and the, you know, the, the leadership group back then had, had put a lot of time into, into that. We'd, we'd put a lot of work in, so I'm sure it wasn't something that just clicked. It, it, was, it was a culmination of a lot of things, but, um, you know, it's pretty powerful when you can sit around in a room and all just mm. stare at each other and, um, I think we'd probably all grown up over that 06 period and, um, yeah, I think that was probably just a, yeah, a, a collective growing up of all of us. We were all playing, coming into the primes of our careers, I guess, collectively, so it was just a timing thing as much as anything, probably. Going into 07, did you believe that Bomber, Mark Thompson, was the right man for the job? Yeah, I always did, yeah, I always did. I, I'd, I'd, saw the re relationship he had with all his players, even in 06 when things weren't going great. He had a relationship with those guys, you know, the, the guys had been there, Kelly and Jono and Gaz and, you know, obviously Scarlo and all the older guys were sort of, they were already superstars and were, were doing their thing, but the relationship Bomber had and with Jimmy Bartell and Andrew Mackey and these guys, they were, you could see that he was the one to lead them. He was just so, he had a great relationship with them. He knew when to pull blokes up, and um, he knew he just knew each. Other. He knew them all so well. They'd mm. all spent so much time together. So yeah, I had no doubt that he was the man. I th I'm so glad that you know Cookie made that decision to, mm. to stick with him in at the end of '06 because I'm not sure how close he was to to making to you know to, to changing the coach at that stage. But yeah, he he was definitely the man, for, always the man for the job. He'd been so good publicly to you. Uh, four weeks after you arrived at Geelong, hadn't he, in the early 2005. You'd come across from Richmond. Uh, I think the media were baying for your blood and there was this famous press conference after a game in which Bomber just publicly declared his support for you. Let's, let's re refresh your memory. I thought there was far worse players last week than Brent Otten's playing the game. And uh, for some, th some silly reason, you people want to assassinate him and it's just rubbish. You people. All of you. All of you. It's just rubbish. Leave him alone. That's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? I mean, uh, how did it make you feel? First, there's his level of support, and then you sort of then there's like the father figure saying, "Leave him alone." I sort of felt embarrassed that Bomber had to do that for me. I remember that being a pretty overwhelming emotion. Um, it had been pretty intense the scrutiny that I'd sort of cop leading into my. Uh, you know, in the time that over the, the, the trade down down to Geelong and the, the scrutiny that came with that, it was a lot more intense than I ever expected it. Um, and my, I'd probably been a bit underwhelming in the, in the form that I'd led into the season, I guess. So, yeah, I guess I was a little bit embarrassed that he, that he had to do that. But then I remember being really... It gave me so much confidence because, I'd, I, you know, I didn't always have the warmest relationship with Bomber. We, we, were, we could chat, and we'd, but we never really were really close, you know, we, we, I really valued my relationship with him, but I didn't feel like we were all that close, but um, that made me 
sort of feel really close mm. to him and feel uh, just gives you that confidence that he's just gone into bat for me um, when he didn't really have to. It was a, he, I guess he saw an opportunity to do that, but um, yeah, it definitely gave me a lot of confidence going from that time going forward for sure. I really appreciate it. You were all Australian at Richmond, and yet I think three years later you're traded to the Cats. Who drove that? Was that your initiative or were Richmond happy to, to, to move on you? I'd sort of made a decision that it was probably time to move on. Um, but I'm, I'm sure it was probably a, a win-win for both parties in a lot, of, a lot of respects. It was something that, you know, my, my form hadn't, my career hadn't developed the way it sort of had in the previous few years and sort of plateaued, my footy had plateaued a little bit. So it was probably a win-win for both, both parties, I'd imagine. Would you have stayed at Richmond had Danny Frawley stayed as coach? Yeah, I probably would have. I had a great relationship with Spud. Um, but it was, you know, he, we'd finished last that year. It had just, the time had come probably for, for a new coach and a new, a new sort of vision for the club. And um, it was a pretty tough period. We, you know, as I said, we finished last and, and coming out of contract was probably, and my form had, had just, was, was really going probably downhill as much as anything, so it was, it was definitely time for me personally to, to have a new environment. Did they call you Sauce, as in Son of a Spud, at, <laughs> at, at Richmond? Oh, right? There was a bit of, I think he probably did give me a lot of preferential treatment. <laughs> did he? In, in a few, in, in a couple of his years. He went off me a little bit towards the end, actually. But, uh, <laughs> did he? Um, but no, he was, he was just a good, he was a great mentor for me. You know, we spent, I was really young and he just took me under his wing with a a lot of a lot, a lot of the younger guys there, and it was yeah, he, he was a good, really good mentor of mine in my younger years. What happened at Richmond that required Spud to uh, turn up to St Kilda Police Station? I'd had a couple of mates come over from Adelaide that after we'd played a, a game against Collingwood on the Saturday, and had a couple of mates come over, which they used to do back in those days, every few few months or whatever, and and uh, I'd always probably get a bit carried away when I to, when I saw them, and that was yeah, that's what I did that night. And, Finished up uh, on the on the wrong side of it, wrong end of a divvy, divvy van back to the St Kilda police station. So uh, next thing I knew, Spud was was there. Op- that cell door opened up, and Spud was there, telling me to get in the back of the cab and take me home. So and what did you say to him? I'm not I'm not <laughs> sure of Spud's version of events. I'm, I've heard him tell a story, and I'm sure he pours a lot of. Well, let's try Spud's version first. <laughs> right. What did he say? Well, he says that I, I said, oh, they got you too, did they, Spud? <laughs> but I'm, I'm not sure. I remember seeing him and being, being petrified and of what he was going to say. And, um, and, I, and I got a fair dressing down in the back of the cab on the way home, that's for sure. It was 2am in the morning, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 2am on, on uh, Mother's Day and Anita Frawley was about seven and a half months pregnant <laughs> and... Um, so Spud, those guys getting the, I apologise now to Anita again for, for, <laughs> for that, but it was, um, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't great time. Now take me to the Geelong indiscretion. I was caught well over the limit and um, lost my licence for for best part of 12 months um, because I'd just, yeah, made a really poor decision mm. to, to get behind the wheel. So, um, yeah, I was, I was, had a meeting with Cookie after that and, you know, I was told needed to pull my head in and mm. you know it was um it was a pretty pretty low low moment really you know what would happen now brad if, if there was a player at geelong uh found himself in the same set of circumstances would he be sacked it's probably a sackable sort of a, an indiscretion i'm sure it's um you know 
the, the culture of footy's changed so much now that the guys are so much more professional and that's something that I had to learn and it's probably a huge lesson that I did learn from that was that I just needed to grow up and be more professional and that's the guys, young guys these days are so so switched on and professional that it, you know, it's highly unlikely that something like that is going to happen these days. 2007, that was the year of the big preliminary final, wasn't it? Your outstanding performance against Collingwood? Yeah. Yep. And then into the grand final and... Um, uh, I mean, you, you ended up smashing Port Adelaide, but you were very significant that day, particularly early in the first quarter, with a tackle that uh, I suspect you never envisaged. I don't remember having had a whole lot to do with that game, so it was nice to, to have a bit of an impact halfway through the first quarter. But, um, yeah, it's something that people talk to me a lot about these days. I remember your, your run-down tackle in the 07 grand final. and um, Yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing. I I'd, I'd never really reflected after that. You know that it was significant, but I guess the more the, the more longer time goes. Uh, well, I suppose when there's a bloke of 202 centimetres prepared a to chase and b to get to the opponent, it was Michael Pettigrew, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, see him look over his shoulder and see me coming. <laughs> I reckon he thought he had all day, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of one of those things you reflect on um, afterwards, and sort of you know, it's a memorable sort of moment. 2009, take me through that journey. That was interesting, wasn't it? Ended up in a, a second premiership, but uh, there were a few hurdles along the way, weren't there? Yeah, there was. I, I started the year really well and, um, and then injured my knee in round two and um, needed a scope. It wasn't that bad an injury. It was a sort of a medial injury, that, with the, but then I had, had a scope that became a bit infected, um, mild, really mild infection, but it just set me back and it just, just constantly for... for months, you know, I remember Barmy having to say to the media every week, oh, he's two weeks away, he's two <laughs> weeks away. He says that about everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just and I just felt like I was two weeks away the whole year, but I just never could, could never really get back until I spent a bit of time in the VFL towards the end of that year and just sort of had to make a last, last ditch effort to try and play um, in, the, in the last couple of rounds of the VFL and then played round 22 down at, down at home against Fremantle and managed to hold my spot after that. Which the Geelong view is that, that your injury never seemed to improve and they took the view, I think, in August, well, we've got to try it. We've got to throw him in and see if he stands up because we want him in the finals and you stood up and played all the finals. Yeah, well, that was definitely the conversation. We just sort of said it's got to... It was, it was make or break, you know. It was coming into the, the last month of the year and it was, if I didn't play some senior footy going to the finals, they couldn't pick me, so it was... Um, Have a look at that, mate. <laughs> that tells the story, doesn't it? Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty special day, that one. Because you, you're not, you don't appear to be an emotional person in, in public. No, no, well, that, that was probably the most emotional one, probably because of, for me personally, trying to get back was a, was a mm. pretty tough road. It was, um, it was, you know, it had just taken so long. That, it was just a strange injury. Sometimes you get injured, you know where the, where the end point is, but that one it just seemed to grind on and it, and it was really, really tough. So to, to sneak back in when I did and to, to be able to... It was a really tough game. I remember that St Kilda game being the toughest game of my whole career. So, to, you know, that was the... Yeah, I guess the, the emotion was, was probably there for, mm. for a lot of us with that one. Now, 2011, last game, last time we saw you. Yeah, that was... Um, it was, the t I guess, the other reason the 2011 premiership was so satisfying was that that was the year that a lot of people had expected that Geelong was going to sort of start to slide a little bit. There was a lot of us were getting older into our 30s, and um, we were, you know, there was there was a lot of guys coming 
well and truly the back end of their prime and coming out of you know into the twilights of our careers. So um, to play against, to beat Collingwood the way that we did, and um, with with a lot of the older boys playing really well, and um, yeah, just a yeah, it was just a, a just a special sort of culmination of a really successful period in the club's history. That was a was a great memory. That one. Did you walk away too soon? No, I don't think I did. I, I've I've never regretted my decision to, to finish when I did. I think I probably could have scratched out another year or two. I think um, really. So it was your call entirely? Yeah, I sat down with, with Scotty and Barmy and, um, and we chatted a bit about, you know, reducing sort of pre-season loads and um, modified sort of training schedules and stuff leading into the 2012 season. And I just, I'd, I'd already sort of started to, seriously contemplate retiring in the months after the 2011 Premiership and um, and I think I realised that I, I just my heart wasn't there and I wasn't and I thought if my heart's not there then my body and mind aren't going to be committed to it all and I felt like that was just a, to finish with a flag and it just seemed like the right thing, right time and my body it just became harder and harder to train and it just seemed like the right time so um, I'm, I'm missing footy now as much as ever. Oh, yeah. but just I think because now now I'm too old to play and I can't, you know, just that's probably when I now I sort of probably miss it as much as I ever have. Mm. But I've never regretted the the decision I made to walk away when I did. Let me ask you about the what led to Geelong being keen on on you and getting you from Richmond. You kicked six goals playing for Richmond in a losing team against the Cats. Do you think that might have swayed them? I mean, this. Lots of examples in history where clubs fall for blokes who play well on good players. Yeah, I'm not and you sure. played on Scarlo that day, didn't you? Yeah, I kicked four on Scarlo in the first quarter. I think. Well, yeah. <laughs> one of, He'll deny only, that. It's the only time I ever got a kick on him, by the way. It was <laughs> the first and last time I ever got a kick on Scarlo. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard to know whether that was had an influence. It was a few years after that that I finished up down playing for the Cats. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It was... It was, it was nice to kick a couple on Scala at least once, anyway. Sydney were also in the mix, weren't they, when you left? Yeah, I went up and met Sydney. My brother and I went up and uh, had a chat to, to Rusey and um, met a few of the players and, and really considered going up there. They were just such a powerful, strong club back then and, um, and still are, obviously, but um, it, was a, it was a real... Yeah, I, I, could, I could sort of seriously considered going up there, but I think... Um, this, the, the environment and the lure of Geelong just seems like I was a country kid. I am a country kid and, um, and living down in Geelong just really appealed to me and, and the people I just, the people that I was lucky enough to come across in that short period of time um, when trying to work out where the future w was, it was Geelong seemed like the place. You know I'm going to ask you about the story about probably the most bizarre injury that's ever happened to a footballer in my time. You're in the backyard at home trying to put an erector uh, a hammock, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a strange one. I, I don't know how gruesome you want me to get with this one, Mike, but it was, um, yeah, it was this strange hammock thing that I'd bought in Bali and thought it'd be a good idea to hang it in the tree in the backyard and I was standing up on a, on a rickety old fold-up chair. The chair fell and I finished up with a with a broom handle in a position where I didn't, no bloke wants it. So wants you, it. you were impaled, weren't you? 
Yeah, I was impaled through through my my scrotum, pretty much. Um, which and I was really lucky. I mean, I sort of laugh about it, but it was it was something that it could have been pretty horrific, a pretty horrific injury. Uh, it's pretty horrific. So so the broom handle, uh, the, the traditional broom handle, right? Yeah, with no blunt. point on the end, just a rounded top. Yeah, has gone through your scrotum into your stomach. Well, it didn't perforate my, my bowel or my stomach or anything. It was sort of was between the skin and in in the lower part of my torso, so um, I was just, yeah, I was, my sister called the police and the ambulance and the fireys and everything, everyone rocked up and I had this thing, this stick sort of hanging out of me. There was no blood or anything, but it was just, um, it was well and truly sort of lodged inside my my torso pretty much. Um, It was probably sort of six or eight inches, I guess. Um, Inside you? Inside my, yeah, inside my sort of beneath the skin under, I just sort of lifted my shorts up and I could sort of see it, see it there. And um, got sent, rushed to hospital and um, got- with, to, with the broom still there? Yeah, yeah, they sort of cut it off and um, sort of in the backyard and the, the police had been called because the sister had called Triple O and um, these policemen are standing there looking at it, sort of covering their eyes, not knowing where to look. And then the ambulance crew came down and they sort of, it's a bit of like something about Mary. There was like <laughs> fireys there, just and then yeah. it, it, by that stage, I'd sort of been sucking on the on the, the green, green stick. Green stick, yeah. and I was, you know, I wasn't in too much discomfort, and I just remember being embarrassed, thinking these these guys, it's obviously something pretty pretty gruesome, but these blokes couldn't look me in the eye, so it was um, it was a pretty weird, it was just a weird thing. I was really lucky that it missed everything, you know, really the important parts, and. I was in hospital for a couple of days, came out, missed a week of pre-season, and then I was back into it. Blokes of 202 centimetres don't often take the mark of the year. You did that in 2006. Six it was, yeah. yeah. Against the Swans, yeah, yeah. Up, up there. I um, I hadn't done a huge amount in that game. I got a good spray from Bomber in, at half-time. And, um, yeah, it was just a, I don't know, it was just a funny, just a good good jump. Back in the days, I could jump, I guess, managed yeah. to get off the ground. Did you get, what was the platform? Uh, Darren Jolly was my direct opponent, and um, and Barry Hall actually was. There was both of them were, were under, so it was a pretty good, good yeah. platform. Yeah. How high did you get? Was it a genuine specky? Yeah, it was a pretty good. It was a pretty good grab. I remember. I, I thought it must have been pretty good because Darren Jolly was pretty excited about watching it on the replay, <laughs> even though he? he was on the on the bottom of it all. Yeah. And he he was he was pumping it up at the next centre bounce. Um, well, what was, happened? Uh, Tell me what, what what did he say? Oh, he said, "Geez." Great grab or something. He said, "Oh, thanks for the. I'll, I'll be on a poster or something now, or something, something along <laughs> Did those he? lines." Yeah. Um, Did you thank him for the ride? Yeah. Oh, no, I think I was. I think Bomber's ears were still, still. Words were still ringing in my ears. I was just uh, <laughs> happy to contribute something. But um, yeah, what got a won a car for the for the yeah. year and managed to. Yeah. So it was um, pretty bit of a highlight. Want to ask you about? Do you played with Gazza, little Gaz, at the peak of his powers? Had that up close look at him. Where do you rate him in, uh, among the players that you've played with and seen? He was the best I've played with. Um, I think without question, I remember just being amazed at the way he was able to, he was just able to dominate. Like he was just so good at when the ball hit the ground and you just see him, he, the way he would move, players just couldn't, when he, was, when he was really firing, no one could really do anything to stop him. He could just do what he wanted. And I just never saw... The only other guy I saw come close to that was Richo. Richo had days where he just Matthew Richardson. Matthew yeah. Richardson was yeah. was was, sec- was the second best player just behind Gaz. Really? Um, yeah. With his ability just to 
just to dominate. I mean, remember one game playing against Western Bulldogs at the G and Richo kicked 10 and I just remember sitting there thinking, he just, every time it came to him, he'd just do something amazing and it was just, it was amazing to play. They're two guys that I'll, you feel really privileged to play with, with mm. guys like that because they're just gener once in a generation players that are, that are just so good and people were going to talk about them forever. So, yeah, two of the very best. Richo was a sensational athlete, wasn't he? Like he was oh, nearly amazing. as tall as you. He was a similar height to me. He probably yeah. should have been playing in the ruck, but he was too smart for that. <laughs> he was six, yeah, he was six five, six yeah. six, and just could run and could jump. And oh, he was a, he was amazing. He was he was um, pretty lucky to be able to play alongside him. And I spent a lot of time just trying to get out of his way a lot of the time. <laughs> but I really, yeah, really treasure the time to be able to play alongside him for the Tigers. Alongside Richo is a is a pretty is a, was a real privilege. And which was the best of the Geelong teams in your time? Uh, I think the 2000, and, funnily enough, I think 2008 was probably our best year. Like I reckon we were just so dominant in 2008 and unfortunately lost the, lost the grand final that, that everyone had us just penciled in to win. Um, I feel like that was the year we played our almost, our most dominant footy. Towards the end of 2007 was pretty, was, we were pretty dominant as well. Um, yeah, that period of sort of end of 07, midway through 08 was, was, was pretty strong. So 08 was when you lost to the Hawks and, and they were very strategic that day, weren't they? Mm. They were prepared to concede behinds to get possession of a footy. During the game, did you just always think that you can, we're better, we'll, we'll get this back? Or did, when did you realise it was slipping away? Well, probably, I'm not sure what the score was at three-quarter time, but I remember thinking they had control of the game purely because of that. They just kept rushing behinds and then they were able to just take it down the other end of the ground. And it was, I remember just thinking Stuart Jew was having a day out, kicked, kicked three, three or four goals. Um, I remember thinking we're in a bit of trouble here because we'd probably had a few, let a few bad habits creep in because that 08 year we just, without sounding arrogant, we'd just go into games a lot of time and just thinking this is, we're just going to win mm. and this is just going to happen. And it probably, probably crept into the finals. We went through the final series pretty smoothly and um, yeah, the, the grand final probably was a bit of a reflection of that, that we probably thought it was just going to happen and, and, and you know, funny things happen in grand finals and weren't good enough. Cameron Mooney sat in this chair a couple of years ago and talked about how he cried over the opportunities he wasted that day. You missed a shot second quarter mm. that you should have kicked. Did that, does that weigh on you? I think about that a bit. I've never brought myself to watch the game. I, I probably should just to put myself out of my misery a bit. <laughs> but I do. I think, you know, there's little moments in time where you just sort of think if you had your time over again. Um, I think Tommy Lonigan was, was in, in, the, in the goal square. He lets me, he reminds me of that every now and again, um, that, I, that I burn him in the goal square. But, yeah, it does. I do think of that, little things like that a bit, particularly that day. It was, you know, it was one that, yeah, it's just mm. either... Losing grand finals are often the ones that, that stick out, I guess. Although generally you were pretty reliable, I reckon, kicking for goal. Yeah, generally I was. Yeah, yeah. it was. Um, yeah, the pressure of the moment. We had a couple of. Yeah, there was a couple of really telling moments, particularly missed goals in that game that really hurt the team, and I felt like that was probably, probably one of them. So yeah, it's a bit of a. Yeah, just one of the things mm. that sticks in your mind a bit. Brad, two hundred and forty-five games for two clubs, all Australian, three flags. It's been a great career. You flew under the radar for a lot of the time, but I think we appreciate it looking back. And statistically, it's an excellent career. You're entitled to be very proud of it. 
Thanks, mate. Appreciate it.